Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. This is my adorable, precious, and unbelievable wife, Elie. And we're excited to be with you and excited to be in the presence of the Lord. And let's go before the Lord in prayer. I'm going to share just the teeniest bit about what the Lord has been doing in ministry. uh, And also just a prayer request or two. Because there's so many of you who so faithfully pray for us. And you know the bottom line is we could not lift a finger without God's grace and without your prayers. So we are just so appreciative. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. So glad to have Pastor Peter and Jean with us and uh, all of you with us. And so let's go before him in prayer. And there is a message Uh, Actually, two messages, one for 10 a.m. and one for the 2 p.m. service that the Lord's really laid upon my heart. So we're really excited today. But let's go before the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing and anointing. Lord, we are so excited to be in your house and amongst your people. And we just pray, Lord God, that you will move in a mighty way, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, you will touch hearts as only you can, that you will hide your servant behind the cross, that all might see Jesus and Jesus alone. And Lord, we just pray this with only one goal in mind that the name of Jesus might be uplifted above every other name. And it's in that name we pray, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you so much for those of you who pray for us because we know what the Lord has called us to, which is basically a combination of three-pronged ministry, missionary evangelism, Uh, academic ministry and government advising both in the U.S. and overseas and we know it is totally way above our heads especially uh, the government advising and so forth and um, so without your prayers we just couldn't do it and um, thank you uh, for those of you especially you hooked up uh, with us by Facebook that we know you pray for us and again we could not Uh, lift a finger uh, without those prayers. But uh, we're thankful. One uh, blessing about uh, traveling um, is that you get to see that people are hungry for God all over the world. And, uh, of course, the news media won't tell you that. But but it's true all over the world. And it really doesn't matter where you go. People are hungry. We were in South Korea uh, earlier this year. And um, we go there every year just about at least the last decade or so, go there every year. And uh, one of the churches we went to held seven or eight services, a revival, and the people were lined up outside the sanctuary two and a half hours in advance to make sure they got a seat and got a spot in the prayer line. That's hunger. And so, by the way, you know, if you want to show up here, uh, you know, from now on at 7.30 (laughs) a.m., and by the way, this was at a church in Korea known for people showing up late, and so the pastor kind of gave a, a nice uh, lecture <laughs> to the church afterwards and said, I used to accept your excuses for being late. I will accept them no longer. Now I know you can get here not only on time but very early. But uh, And uh, one reason why we share that is um, please don't feel like you are inconveniencing us if you see this long prayer line and you think, oh, Poor Pastor Bill and Haley praying for all these people. This is what we're used to. This is what we believe Jesus would do. He'd just pray for whoever wants prayer. So, you know, we'll stay however long. So just be aware of that. And um, you may know uh, that we're heavily involved with uh, seeing the Bible as literature and prayer returned to American public schools. Uh, It was taken out in 1962 and 1963, and uh, our country in the U.S. has never been the same since. So for the last 14 years or so, by God's grace, state by state, uh, it's been coming back in, and uh, that is going very, very well. And so uh, we thank you. It's a spiritual battle. Amen. 
but God is at work, and we continue to um, be uh, blessed and uh, humbled uh, by the extent to which uh, both political parties in the U.S. Uh, look to us for uh, advising. And, you know, it just seems all over the world, politically, um, it's becoming more and more polarized. We know that's so in Britain. We keep, you know, we watch BBC and American News, too, that reflects what's going on in Britain and Brexit and, you know, all that. And it's not just in the United States. It's, it's here uh, and really all over Europe and much of the world just increased polarization. And uh, it used to be years ago that if in the United States, if you were invited by one political party versus another political party to speak or advise, there was about a 25% overlap, meaning you'd be invited by both. Now it's maybe 1%, which really says a lot. But we're thankful because, by God's grace, we're one of those that's invited to both. So... Uh, uh, later on this year, we'll be speaking for uh, Democrats, and a lot, one of the last times we spoke for Democrats, uh, former members of the Clinton administration, uh, they actually invited us. They said, please speak to us on practicing the presence of God. <laughs> you, you know, I did pray over it to make sure it was from God, but I didn't have to pray long, okay? <laughs> and... Um, uh, I remember the last time we spoke for the Obama administration, or second to last time, actually. We spoke many times for the Obama administration. There was mem one member of his administration that said something that really struck at the heart of, of who we are because the reason why we're open to you know, so many different political groups is you look at the Bible, and that's the example. When Moses was called, he didn't say, Oh, I don't like this Pharaoh. I want to wait till the next one. Or when Joseph of the Old Testament was called, he didn't say, well, I, I want someone who lines up with my views more. Same thing with Nehemiah, Paul, Daniel. If God said go, they went. And I don't know what political party. I'm sure we have some, you know, labor, you know, some conservative. We have some who might be some of the other, you know, parties that are out there. Um, the, you know, whether it be the Tories or the, the labor or whatever. Um, just as we, in any given church, you have Republicans and Democrats in the United States and so forth. But the bottom line, if we, whatever politi our political stripe, if we're just going to limit ourselves, that we're only going to be a light when a certain group is in power, We've just eliminated 50% of the time. We're going to have no influence at all. That, that's not the example of the Word of God. So uh, last time, uh, second to last time we were with the Obama administration, uh, one of his uh, people came up to me and said, uh, you, and this is purely by the grace of God. Honestly, we don't deserve what he said. It's just that this has been our prayer because we've just thought, both parties in the U.S., parties here, they need love. They need God's love. So uh, this fellow came up to us and said, you know what most amazes me about you? And I said, no. And he said, everyone trusts you. He said, the Democrats, the Republicans, the Chinese, the South Koreans, the EU, the, the, the Russians, everyone trusts you, even people who hate one another, they trust you. And he said, now that I've seen you in action, I think I understand why. And I said, why? And he said, because you know how to treat people. You just love on them so much, they're not used to it. I'm just quoting him, except that. That was not a quote. The enemy doesn't like that, okay? The enemy wants to shoot down God's love, okay? But he says, you just love on They're just overwhelmed by it, so that when you get up to speak, they're just naturally inclined to receive whatever you have to say. And he said to me, you're not, and remember this in the context that I'm also a professor, he said, you're not into overpowering people with intellect, are you? That's not what you're about. And I said, no, that's not what we're about. He said, instead, you're into overwhelming people with love, aren't you? And I said, that's exactly what we're into. And that has been our prayer. 
because there's no more powerful force in this universe than God's love. Amen. So, I, you know, whether a person is Republican, Democrat, Tory, you know, labor, whatever, um, you know, we'll, we'll work with them if they ask us to do something that is consistent with the Word of God. Because they know what they're getting whenever someone asks us. So, uh, for example, with the Trump administration, we've been asked to work with them too because they want to bring abstinence back to be the core of the uh, health curriculum in the United States. Hallelujah. I'm into that. I'll say yes to that. Amen. And also they think that drug addiction is not taken seriously enough in the United States, especially opioids and, you know, marijuana, weed. I mean, it's called cannabis, called by any number of things. And uh, so pray for us in that. And then also uh, you can pray for us in this one. Uh, we, uh, the next government to invite us, because, again, we work with a lot of the G20 governments, even the United Nations um, and uh, we've been invited to speak basically on any topic we want to by the government of the United Arab Emirates. And so pray for that. You know, God has been moving in the United Arab Emirates because a lot of Christians who have been persecuted in places like Iraq, Pakistan by ISIS and so forth, of course, a lot of them come to Western Europe. You know, in their fleeing, a lot of them come to the United States, but a fair number of them also go to the United Arab Emirates. And what you may not know is that the United Arab Emirates is 13, 13% Christian. A lot of people don't know that because so many people have come from these countries. So, hey, I'll take revival wherever it happens. So, uh, so pray for us in that, because once again, that's totally above our heads. But um, anyway, uh, we need a lot of prayer, because this world needs a lot of prayer. That's the bottom line. So thank you for your prayers. But there's a message, Lord Jesus, bless your already blessed word, and anoint your servant and hide this servant behind the cross, that all might see Jesus and Jesus alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I guess it's only fitting because you're probably aware that this is the first Sunday after the 75th anniversary of D-Day. And so I'm sure you've heard, you know, a lot about Winston Churchill. You've also heard a lot about Dwight Eisenhower in the last few days, who was head of Allied Command during that time. So it's only fitting to quote uh, Dwight Eisenhower. Because what he said is he was talking mostly uh, about human beings, but you can also think of this in terms of God. Dwight Eisenhower said this. He said, always try to associate with and learn as much as you can from those who know more than you, who do better than you do, who see more clearly than you do. And when I first read that, I said, Jesus. <laughs> Spend a lot of time with Jesus because that's the ultimate of someone who knows more, who does better, who sees things better than you. And so this is an exhortation really to love God with all that we have. The title of this morning's message is All to Jesus. And our main text is going to be out of John chapter 14. If we'll turn there, John chapter 14. And it's going to be verses 25 to 31. That's going to be our primary main text. We're also going to refer to a couple of other verses that I'll mention in just a few moments. But let's begin in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 25. Again, the title is All to Jesus. Beginning in verse 25 of chapter 14 of John, Jesus speaking, All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, and what better subject on Pentecost Sunday, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. 
I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Now, as a supplement to uh, that particular passage of Scripture, I am also going to read to you out of Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5, which reads, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That is supplement. Another supplement is out of Matthew 22 and verse 37. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And actually, these two scriptures out of Deuteronomy and Matthew are going to serve as the, the topics, uh, the subject matters of the three points we're going to make, which really are also reflected in our main text. And that is, first of all, we are to love the Lord with all of our soul. Secondly, we are to love the Lord with all of our hearts. And thirdly, we are to love the Lord with all our strength, all our mind. Now, returning to our main text for the first one, we are to love the Lord our God with all our soul. Returning to our main text, John chapter 14, verse 25, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, and of course the day of Pentecost is all about the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, the Lord is basically saying that we really need to love the Lord with all that we have if we're going to receive all that the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, has to teach us. And when we think of all, we often immediately think of our five senses, that we are to love the Lord and keep our ears open. If God speaks, if the Holy Spirit, God speaks, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us, our ears need to be open to what He is saying. Our hands also need to be available to do that which God commissions us to do. Our eyes need to be the Lord's as well. Not only in the sense of our eyes should be focused on the good, the lovely, the godly, and not the ungodly. We need to avoid temptation. We need to be very careful what we allow our eyes to look upon. I mean, there's some things on television, some things on the Internet. Uh, in fact, probably a lot of things that Christians should not watch, Christians should not see. But... Our eyes not only need to be the Lord's in that sense, but we also need to have His vision, His vision of the future. What does He have for us as a church? You know, our dear pastor, and by the way, uh, Pastor Phil did not ask me to say this. I want to go on the record for saying that, but he was saying, isn't it wonderful that people come all the way from Portsmouth now, I, you have to excuse me, being that I'm from the United States, when I think of Portsmouth, yes, I think of Portsmouth here, but there's also a Portsmouth, New Hampshire, meaning, you know, we have our Portsmouth. That would be real. Boy, wouldn't that be impressive? Next year, we have a, one from Portsmouth in the U.S., one in, from the U.K., and so forth. But he also said, what about here? I mean, it's almost a little bit, didn't you feel a little bit embarrassed? You know, they're coming from so far away to witness, and we need to be out there ourselves, Amen. So we need to have a vision about how God wants to use us. So we need God's eyes in that sense of the word as well. Also, smell. The Lord speaks of a pleasing incense to the Lord. You know, we need to live lives that are a pleasing incense to the Lord. And that is also possible and really only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. That is when we are a pleasing incense to the Lord. And then another sense is... Our tongue, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So we need to taste of all that God has for us and realize, wow, He is good. We really need to love the Lord with everything we got, with all of our soul. In fact, I think of uh, what some of my favorite chapters in the Word of God are when various individuals are called of the Lord. For example, in Isaiah 6, we have the calling of Isaiah. 
And my wife and I love Isaiah so much. In fact, we have uh, three sons. All of them are named after Bible people, even their middle names. And our oldest is named Isaiah, middle name Daniel. Okay? So Isaiah, Daniel. And uh, he loves the name Isaiah. He also loves the name Daniel, and we're thankful for that. And um, But when Isaiah was called, his response in Isaiah 6-8 was so beautiful. He said, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. He was just making himself available. He was saying, Here I am in my totality. I'm giving all to you. And that needs to be our attitude. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 20 and verse 9, this was not his call, but I love this verse because it speaks of just how sold out to the Lord, how he gave all of his soul to the Lord because he said, If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart as it were a burning fire. Shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. Wow. I hope Jeremiah 20 and verse 9 is one of our themes. This was a man who really knew uh, the power of God and gave his whole soul to the Lord. In fact, it might be summed up best, or at least outside of Scripture, that is, by the words of John Wesley. I love what John Wesley said. He said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Boy, that, that covers it, doesn't it? Hallelujah. May that be our theme just to love the Lord with all of our soul. Now, some of you, whether it be through uh, the long-running television program of years ago um, or the movies of more recent days, many of us are probably familiar with Mission Impossible. Okay, And uh, it's very interesting because uh, the old shows had it by tape, uh, the newer movies have it by usually DVD or something like that. But there is a point at which uh, Phelps uh, listens to basically the call to go on this mission. And there is always this statement, or always, almost always this statement, your mission, should you choose to accept it. There is that phrase. And in, in listening to that as a Christian, I've often thought to myself, what if Mr. Phelps said no? I mean, he always says yes. Okay, that's understood. But there is always that out that your mission, should you choose to accept it. And I think in many respects, a lot of the verses in the Bible are basically saying that. Now, don't go out of here saying that, oh, we had this crazy preacher from America who says there's a verse in Scripture that says your mission, should you choose to accept that? That's not what I'm saying. I want to go on the record that that's not what I'm saying. But between the lines, if you will, that's basically what the Lord is saying many times. Your mission, and we can thank the great commission, right? Okay, And other verses, other portions of Scripture, basically, we have a choice. We have been given free will. God does not force us to obey Him. He certainly encourages us to obey Him. But we have a choice. When God has called us, are we going to give our all? And the same question arises, what if we should say no? And, of course, if the Mission Impossible team had said no, it could have led to a lot of disasters many, many times. And if we say no to the Lord, it can also lead to disaster. We need to say yes, because the Lord is willing and the Spirit is willing. It's the flesh that is weak, and we need to be open to the Lord. That's why it's interesting that the Lord says, He will teach you, referring to the Holy Spirit, all things. And we need to have a heart sold out to the Lord, love the Lord with all of our soul. So when the Spirit of God is teaching us and leading us and directing us, we will be open to 
as close to all as it's humanly possible to do. You know, we're all human beings. We're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Only Jesus is perfect. But we do our best to love the Lord with all of our soul. Amen? Amen. In James chapter 1, James chapter 1, very interesting passage of of Scripture, uh, James chapter 1, because uh, a lot of people... Uh, do not really read this in proper context. In James chapter 1, verse 19, it states, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everybody should be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. But, so we need to be quick to listen. You know, I talked about our senses before, okay? Our ears need to be open to the Spirit of God as He speaks to us. And then if we bounce down to verse 23 of the same chapter, James chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looked like. Um, you know, it's like you know, looking at your, yourself like I've had this happen. I, I did have this happen once. Um, it was really, I laughed when it happened to me. I was shaving, and it looked like I was a commercial because I shaved one half of my face and the other was still unshaved. And the phone rang, okay? And then I picked up the phone and started talking, and I forgot that I had only shaved one half of my face. And you've seen those commercials comparing, you know, this side of the face versus that side of the face. And I almost ran out the door forgetting that just half of me was shaved, and that would have looked mighty strange, okay? And then so I checked the mirror, but fortunately, thank God, I checked the mirror before I left, and I noticed, oh, my goodness, I look like a commercial. I realized that because I was fuzzy on this side, not like this, but, you know, you could see the whiskers. This is the part I shave, and the rest was fine, and I thought, whoa, i got to shave this side and so forth. So I, I literally had forgotten what I looked like, okay, when I picked up the phone just like this passage. So we need to listen to the Lord but also do because James one twenty two says, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Now, here's the interesting context that um, we need to remember, because the Lord is not putting down listening. He's saying we should listen. You know, a lot of people just read 22 to 24 on its own, and it almost looks like, you know, it's kind of putting down listening. That's not what the Lord is doing. He's saying we should be quick to listen, But we shouldn't only listen. When we listen, when the Lord speaks to us, we need to act. And you see, there are all kinds of combinations. First of all, there are some people who don't listen and don't do. Of course, that's the worst. But there are some people who listen, but then they don't do. But the one we often forget is there are some people who do, but they haven't listened in the first place. And if they do without listening to the Lord in the first place, that can also lead to trouble. We need to do both. This is not an exhortation only to do. It is an invitation to listen to the Holy Spirit. And again, what better day to be reminded of that than Pentecost Sunday. Listen to the Spirit, but also when he says do something, we need to do it. Now, a lot of people have struggles with doing. They say, oh, it's so hard to obey the Lord. It's so hard. Some people will say, for example, and I know pastor and pastor have said this. We've, I've heard it as they've shared it from the pulpit. I've heard it as uh, I've interacted with them personally. So I know what I am saying is totally in line with what they believe. You have got two tremendous pastors you've had over the years they're great preachers but you know what they would be the first to say don't only come on Sunday don't only come to prayer Tuesdays okay but we need to have devotional times in the word of God and praying seven days a week they would be the first to to say that and you know what some people will say, wow, I have a hard time doing it. That is hard to, a hard discipline to develop. Oh, that's so hard. I can't do it. But you know what? The Lord can help us. 
And the beauty of it all is the more, and hear what I'm saying here, the more that we do it, the easier it becomes. I mean, you get to a place where you're just so used to doing it. You know, first thing, hopefully, when you get up in the morning, that's kind of the ideal, dedicate the day to God and so forth. And, uh, but what ha- and that's some of us, we get up early as it is. I totally understand, and that's kind of what makes it difficult, okay? I get that. But the more we do it, the easier it becomes. And here's a teaching I think we don't hear enough in the church. So many times we make like uh, obeying is so difficult, and it is at the beginning, oh, It's hard to do this, hard to have this discipline or any other area of obedience. But the beauty of it all is the more we obey, the easier it becomes to obey and the more difficult it becomes to disobey. See, this is, I think, something that needs to be taught in the church much more than it is. If we walk with the Lord day after day, month after month, year after year, it actually reaches a place where it becomes more difficult to disobey than to obey. That's the beautiful thing. And I wish we taught that more in the church because I think a lot of people have this mentality is, oh, it's so difficult to obey. Well, at the beginning, yes. But again, if we're really listening to God and open to God, it does. It reaches a place where it becomes actually harder to disobey than it becomes to obey. Psalm 119 and verse 44. Psalm 119, verse 44. I will keep thy law continually forever and ever. We get to a place where, wow, we just want to keep on obeying and obeying and obeying. This is what the Lord desires. Hallelujah. Now, here it is. It's, it's Pentecost Sunday which uh, obviously is, you know, seven weeks, not that long ago did we celebrate Easter. And Easter is right up there with Christmas, is at least in my book and I think God's book, the two most wonderful days of the year. And, um, and Pentecost, you know, Sunday is wonderful too, but, you know, we have Pentecost. We wouldn't have Pentecost Sunday without Easter. I mean, you know, that's the bottom line, Okay. And uh, it's wonderful to celebrate the resurrection. That's wonderful. But is it just talk only? If we just say, oh, isn't it wonderful? Hallelujah. Jesus has come up from the dead and so forth. And we say, hallelujah, let's go celebrate. Well, that's wonderful. But you know what? His resurrection power is available today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah that we celebrate it, but we, do we experience the reality of it? If we have a trial in our family, do we believe that, that Jesus can resurrect our marriage? Amen? If we, for the last year, we've been seemingly without a future, we don't know where we're going or we feel like the rug has been removed from us because we're unemployed or something like that and no good job has has come up, no ideal job, maybe we're working but it's not the job we really want, do we believe that God can resurrect our employment situation? Hallelujah, that the resurrection isn't merely about Jesus coming up from the dead. It's about what that means to our everyday lives. That in whatever area today, we need resurrection. Hallelujah, Jesus can do it. Amen. And I believe that if we lay open to the Lord any area that needs resurrecting and we say, God, we need this area resurrected, He can do it. Amen? Amen. So we've talked about loving the Lord with all our soul. Now we talk about loving the Lord with all of our heart. Both the Matthew verse and the Deuteronomy verse talk about loving the Lord with all our heart. And we return to our main text. John 14 verse 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, it's inter- so interesting that so many times when the Lord refers to heart, He talks about our hearts not being troubled and not to be filled with fear, not to be afraid. Isn't it interesting that the two so many times are connected? I'll give you some other verses. John 16, verse 33. 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So many times when the Lord speaks of having peace, he also refers to our heart. And we need to love the Lord with all of our hearts and not be troubled and to be at peace because so often uh, when we're not at peace, what are the areas of our lives that are affected? Well, our hearts can be affected. I mean, there are a lot of times people, they get heart attacks because they're stressed. You know, my wife and I, because we, Lord willing, want to be doing this for a long time, so, yeah, you know, we diet, we exercise, and, you know, if you want to live a little bit longer on average, okay, that helps. Heredity also is huge in terms of how long you live and, and so forth, no question about it. But you know what, the, the older we get the, and, and we see what happens to our friends, I, I would put even number one on the list, even a little bit ahead of heredity, is the degree to which people are under stress, So many times you see these people who seem perfectly healthy. In fact, I remember when I was young, and maybe I'm dating myself here, but there was a a book that came out entitled Running. I don't know if it came out in 73 or 71. I don't remember what year it was. But in any case, this is at least what caused in the United States people to really start getting into jogging, this book Running. But the irony is that a couple of years later, this guy who wrote this book on running, saying it's the way to health and so forth, he was really a stressed out guy and he dropped dead of heart attack. Okay, And then there was another famous guy who really pushed uh, health foods. His name was Yule Gibbons and he'd eat wild hickory nuts and all this. And then same thing, he just dropped dead. And it's kind of like no, and don't misunderstand me. Don't go out of here saying, well, we have this crazy preacher from America who said, don't jog, okay? <laughs> you know, go out and have, you know, as many uh, ice cream sundaes and so forth. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's wonderful if you jog. I'm a, you know, I've been a, was a jogger for many, many years. And now my wife and I, you know, we walk fast and so forth and we do that just about five days a week. I think that's great, but... What I am saying is stress is huge in terms of how long people live, the quality of life that they had. And Jesus knew that a long time ago, long before doctors highlighted that. He said, don't be troubled. I want to give you peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and verse 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. That's when we get into stress, when we rely on ourselves and not the Lord. We need to trust him with all of our heart. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Also, stress affects the mind. We say something is on our mind. Lord knows about that too. Isaiah 26. Well, first I'll read Proverbs 15, 15. A cheerful heart has a continual feast. Amen. And then Isaiah 26.3, regarding the mind, thou dost keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. We need to love the Lord with all of our heart. And part of that is, you know what, no matter what our circumstances are today, ah, breathe it in. The Lord wants to give us peace. He is in control. Praise God. Let's not be stressed out. Amen. And you know what? When we, when we are at peace, that is also when we can best hear the voice of God. When we're all upset and so forth, many times we miss God. In fact, next to preaching, what my wife and I do most of all is we do a lot of family counseling in terms of ministry. This is the second most thing of what we do. And we've been doing this for many, many decades and so forth. And it's, 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 very, it's very touching. We feel a real ministry in this. In fact, just the other day, a, few, a couple of weeks ago, someone uh, informed me at a church. She said, I want, want to let you know what happened the last time you were here. And it had been a couple of years. And she said, uh, my husband told me the day before he, he's filing for divorce. And then by God's grace, I happened to give a message on love. 
especially loving your spouse. And in the middle of the service, he turned to her and said, uh, I'm not going to divorce you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to stay with you. And she said, two years later, our marriage is going stronger than ever. Amen. And But, uh, you know, sometimes uh, in the midst of, of counseling, one of the things we, we counsel people in is a lot of people, uh, and we've all had this happen to you, happen to us, you know, we get a text or an email or a phone call and it's upsetting for one reason or another. And the temptation is, oh, that makes me mad. And we start, you know, texting right back or what have you. And that's generally not a good idea. To do it in a state of... Uh, emotional turmoil, to do it at a time in which we're upset, guess what? Whatever we say or whatever we speak, it's going to reflect the fact that we're upset. It's best to wait and say, Lord, before I respond to this, whether it be hours from now, preferably days, you know, sometimes you have to respond almost right away. But, you know, wait a few days, maybe even a week. You know, it depends on the situation, you know, how long we can wait and so forth. But Lord, I want you to control those fingers. <laughs> I want you to control those thoughts. I want you to control my heart as I respond. And if we are upset, it's a lot harder to hear right from the Lord. If we are not at peace, if we're all stressed out and upset, the, our response generally is not going to be of the Lord, and we're going to regret it. We're going to say, oops, those weren't God's words. And this is why it's so important to love the Lord with all our heart and say, God, I'll respond as you just touch my heart, as you give me that perfect peace, as you give me that continual feast. Hallelujah. Then I will respond. It's so important to respond when the Lord has control of our hearts. And it's interesting, in verse 29, Jesus says, going back to our main text, I have told you now before it happens, so when it does happen, you will believe. And I love how the Lord does that many times in Scripture. I mean, there are all kinds of prophecies about the Lord in the Old Testament, and then they were fulfilled. And it helps give peace. Isn't it true when God says, whether it be in his word or through a word or what have you, this is what's going to happen and then it happens? It gives us peace. I will tell you a, a very personal secret right now. I've only told this to a few congregations, but we've gotten to know you over the years, so we feel totally free. I have to admit, look, you know, the Lord by God's grace, you know, gives words through your servant. But I, I got to be up front with you. There's some words that are more enjoyable to give than others. Okay. Probably doesn't surprise you, but I'm just being very real with you. There's some words where I go, oh, Lord, can't you choose someone else to give this word? And the words that I least like to give are those that basically say there's going to be, be a massive trial that comes into your life. Sometimes the Lord's even given me the words, uh, one, the greatest trial of your life or one of the greatest trials of your life. It's kind of like, oh, no. By the way, don't worry. That's very rare. Don't think, well, I'm not going to the front. No way. I don't want one of those. Okay. Almost never happens. Okay. Almost never. Okay. Not even once a year. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really rare. Now, don't say to yourself, well, given my luck, I'll be the one, okay? Um, so I don't want that to discourage you. But the crazy thing is, the Lord will say, tremendous trial, but do not be discouraged. I intend you to overcome with flying colors. And then it'll happen just as the Lord spoke. And then those are the ones where we get the most thanks. And they'll say, if it wasn't for that word, I wouldn't have made it. Okay, it was the promise that I'm going to get you through this. But it gives us peace, and it gave them peace, because the Lord said it in advance. This is what's going to happen. Then it happens, and at first they go, oh, no. And then they remember, hey, wait a minute. I got a word about this. This is going to end up okay. Hallelujah. And so praise God. And again, very, 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 very rare. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Third and last point is we need to love the Lord with all of our strength and all of our mind. Now, if you are very perceptive, as I read the passage out of Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, and out of Matthew 22, verse 37, you'll notice slight difference between the two. Both say, begin by saying, love the Lord with all your soul. Both of them say, love the Lord with all your heart. But a little bit of a difference on the third point, because in Deuteronomy 6, 5, it says we should love the Lord with all our strength. And uh, Jesus says, love the Lord with all your mind. And we might say, what's going on there? Why the difference? I think the Lord has put that there purposely. There is not one word in the Bible that is there accidentally. I think what the Lord is basically saying is, if we are to love the Lord with all of our minds, it's our own decision. If we're going to love the Lord with all our minds, then we have to love the Lord with all of our strength. It is an act of the will. You know, a lot of times in our societies all around the world, certainly in the UK, certainly in the United States, but I, I would say much of the world, there's too much emphasis on emotion. And I hate to say it, but I think Hollywood is partially responsible for making love to be almost, in the eyes of the world, many people in the world, almost purely an emotion. Yes, it's partially an emotion. I mean, you don't want a robotic spouse, okay? You don't want a robotic date who says, I like this date very much. Uh, I would uh, rate this uh, date a 9.5 on a 10.0 level. You'd say, I think that's the end of this, okay? You don't want to marry someone who is robotic or to go out on a date with someone who is robotic, but love is more than just an emotion, it is an act of the will. You know, I just shared my wife and I, one of the things that we do most is we do a lot of uh, marital counseling. And uh, we do get some very difficult cases sometimes. In fact, sometimes churches actually will call us and say, this couple's too much for us. Can you deal with them? So we get some Lulus. We get um, couples who throw uh, microwave ovens at each other. Uh, we got, there was one where the wife, when she got upset at her husband, her husband would cuss uh, and use profanity, and she didn't like profanity. That's, you know, a good thing, not to like profanity, but her reaction, not so good, because her response to his use of profanity is she would use taekwondo. <laughs> on, on, now, ladies, don't let this give you any ideas. Okay. Um, and by the way, if you are married and your wife says after church, you know, I think I'm going to take some taekwondo classes, <laughs> probably a red flag. Okay. Um, and, but here's the crazy thing. Um, she thought it was wrong for a husband to do taekwondo on the wife, but it was totally acceptable for a wife to do taekwondo on the husband. Um, but, uh, so these are the types that we get. So we get some rough cases. So a lot of times we get couples, well, probably the most common phrase we hear from couples who are just about on the brink of divorce. They say to us, the feeling's gone. And they think, oh, you know, if they say the feeling's gone, we'll just say, okay, then get a divorce. But that's not what we say. We kind of surprise them. This is our response to that. We say, okay, we understand the feeling's gone. We believe you. Do you love your spouse enough to try to get the feeling back? And it kind of stuns them that there's even that option. And the neat thing is they always say yes. And guess what? Almost always when they say yes, the marriage eventually comes back together. Love is partially an act, in fact, a lot an act of the will. So when we love the Lord with all of our strength, that's our decision. What is our, is our mind going to be totally on the Lord? Well, that's a decision we have to make. And if we want our minds just totally pinned on the Lord and loving the Lord with all our mind, then we have to love the Lord with all of our strength. We have to give it to the Lord. Now, clearly, uh, the only one who can totally 
follow the Father is Jesus, the only sinless one. Thank God we have that stainless sacrifice or else we'd all be in trouble. Every last one of us. But notice what it says in our main text, John 14, 31, Jesus speaking. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Wow. Exactly. It reminds me of a couple of verses. It reminds me of Mark 7.37 where it says, He, referring to Jesus, has done all things well. None of us can say that, but Jesus can. And Ephesians 4.2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. We need to give it all to the Lord. We must not give up. If you might forgive me for a moment, I love Winston Churchill. And I even love his, at least what I would consider an accent. You probably might not consider an accent. But I love many quotes of Winston Churchill. And one of those that I love, if you'll forgive me to put a little Winston Churchill spin on it, is, Never, never, never give up! Amen! Now, I know uh, in Great Britain you have your share of, and have had your share, but even today have your share of tremendous athletes, tremendous coaches, and of course we do in the United States as well. And we have a sport that's popular uh, in the United States that's, you know, occasionally comes to Great Britain as kind of a, a showcase, uh, but is, is not so much. I mean, let's face it, the, the word football means something different to, to you than it means to uh, Americans, but you're familiar with American football, okay? And our most famous professional football coach of all time is named Vince Lombardi. He is long ago passed, but the Super Bowl trophy is named after him, okay? It's called the Vince Lombardi Trophy. And Vince Lombardi was a Christian, you know, uh, not a perfect man, but a Christian. He would, according to his family, he would go to church five days a week. There's your next sermon for you. (laughs) And he was so knowledgeable about the Bible that whenever the minister, his minister would quote a particular passage of scripture, he'd look over to Vince Lombardi to make sure he was getting it right. Okay, that is how well Vince Lombardi knew scripture. So he was a tremendous coach, and uh, he had a saying, a famous quote that later he said people misinterpreted, and so he wanted to uh, set things right in terms of what um, he meant. Uh, The quote that he used that has often been misinterpreted, and with good reason, he said, winning is everything. Okay. And people took that as, well, if you lose a football game, you're a loser, no good. And Vince Lombardi said, no, 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 no. That's not what I meant. What I meant is you always give 100%. And if you give 100%, then you're a winner. And in fact, we raised our children with this idea that that's what we wanted from them, to give 100%. It took them a while to understand that. For example, sometimes our kids would would come home and uh, they would uh, have a a B-plus, okay, on their test. And then we would ask them a simple question. After they returned with a B-plus, we'd say, did you give it your all? Did you try 100% in studying for this B-plus? And if they said yes, we said, great. That's all we ask. Now, the next day, sometimes this would happen, the very next day, they would come home and with an A-minus, and they would assume we would be happier with the A-minus than the B-plus. And they'd come home with an E minus, and we'd ask, okay, did you give it your everything? And sometimes they would say no. And at first it stunned them that we'd say, oh, then you probably could have gotten an A if you had given it your everything. And we said, we would rather you come home with a B plus and say that you gave it your everything than to come home with an A minus 
and say that you didn't give it your everything. And for a while, it just took them, they kind of went, huh? But, you know, I think the Lord is much the same. That's all he wants from us, everything. Now, if you think about it, that's a really good deal. It's the greatest deal that there is in the universe. All God wants is for us to give us our little everything. And it really is a little. You know, we're human beings. There are, you know, 8 billion of us or however many there are on the earth, almost 8 billion, and between 7 and 8 or so. And, um, but all the Lord asks is that we give him our little everything, and then he gives us his great big everything. That is the greatest deal known to humanity. That's what the Lord wants. And we need to follow the Lord with all of our strength. In fact, uh, I remember when I met Haley, some of you were familiar with our testimony of how the Lord put us together as man and wife. Uh, it was really beautiful. I'm not going to go into the whole testimony, but the Lord gave me the, the country, the month, the year, and uh, also gave the Haley similar signs. And when I spoke at her church in South Korea, uh, Yonggi Cho's church, she was in the prayer line. And uh, after I spoke, the Lord quickened to me, there's going to come a woman up to you, just one, and she's going to ask you a question. <laughs> She's going to ask you a question in English, and that is your future wife. She's going to come up in the next five minutes. And she was the only one, asked me a question in English, and the Lord said, that's her. So I knew who she was even before I met her. But even though the Lord spoke to both of us, and I won't go into, you can ask Haley about how God spoke to her, and obviously it worked out well. We've been married about a third of a century, okay? And uh, so you now know I'm at least 33 and a third years old. <laughs> and, um, and you know, she's that old. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe 29 and counting. 29 plus. But uh, in any case, even though the Lord spoke to me, I asked her some questions afterwards. Because you can if you want to. You can, if you're willing to ask the right questions, you can kind of find out where a person is at with the Lord fairly quickly. It's just that uh, out of being polite, we usually don't ask those questions. And I, I have a few that I like to ask. Like I do ask, uh, not just you know, people regularly, uh, I will sometimes ask, what is your favorite Bible verse? And I asked Haley what her favorite Bible verse was. Now, understand I love John 3.16. I love John 3.16, but when a person responds John 3.16, I have to admit, I wonder, is that really your favorite verse, or is that the only verse you know? Okay. Um, I mean, for example, true story, Al Gore, who used to be vice president in the United States, he was asked, what is your favorite Bible verse, and he meant to say, John 3.16, but he goofed, and he said, John 16.3. Now, by the way, that is very, 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 very <laughs> different than John 3.16. You can look that up on your own, and I'll know that you've found it uh, if you chuckle. Okay. Um, but um, so I asked her what her favorite Bible verse was. I also asked, I quoted a section of Scripture and uh, I'll read the verse to you. I quoted Luke chapter 14. Yeah, you found it. <laughs> I quoted Luke chapter 14 and verse 33, which says, So therefore, whoever of you does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And I asked her, I said, okay, is that to be taken only figuratively? Or does the Lord mean that literally? Okay. And fortunately, she said literally, so I knew, okay, sounds like she sold out to Jesus. So uh, the Lord wants us to give all to him, all of our strength to him. And, and guess what? All means in the Greek. All! The Lord wants us to give all of our strength and make the decision with our minds that we're going to give all to him. And just imagine, you know, this church 
has had a beautiful, beautiful history. And we have been privileged and blessed to see what God has done through King's Church through many, many years. But we're also believing the best is yet to come. We're also believing the best is yet to come. And you know what? If we as individuals and as a church give all to Jesus, the best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.